0: motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Joint venture episode here, the Property Nomads Podcast with myself, Rob Smallbone. And from the How To Property Podcast, it's Ryan Luke. Ryan, this is going to be a sort of a very open-ended, awesome chat we're going to have.
1: Yeah, can't wait. So, uh, just for the listeners, we've literally just decided to collaborate and just rock it out and see what's what. No agenda, uh, just two property guys freestyling. I think so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. It.
0: Just, I just have to say that just off off record that you've uh, or off record that you just admitted one of the ultimate podcasting sins <laughs> that you said recently. You um, because everything's been that busy you already. You've missed an episode, and I mean, yeah, that's it's like golden podcast rule number one that, that's got to suck a little bit right
1: yeah yeah i do apologize to the listeners for not keeping the schedule but it just um putting out so much content at the minute for the the coaching side of things whether it be, you know doing a lot on facebook you know building the um the the seven figure property empire group and in that doing a lot of live trainings getting experts to come on board and do q and a's and you know so just a lot of focus has gone into that and and, and yeah, I guess I forgot, but not not cool at all, not cool. But hopefully it's the only time.
0: It, it is what it is. And for people that are not aware of what you do, you're predominantly SA-based. So how has – and I hate to start this off with a pandemic-related aspect, but how has SA worked out for you this year? I can imagine with social housing contracts, if you go down that route, it's been quite fruitful. But how's it been?
1: Yeah, so – pretty much the question I get asked on every podcast or collaboration that I've done this year. So especially since March for us, we've so basically before COVID hit, I I was very much into marketing and direct bookings anyway, working with my avatar is contractors and that was always my model. So I don't think, don't get me wrong. The weekend traffic in some of the locations has just disappeared altogether. But the contractors was always what we did and what we still do. And even through COVID, we still had, granted, not as many, but we still had a percentage of them still traveling, still booking. So I actually thought in April I would like blow a fortune and, and lose money and we'd have like zero bookings. And we actually made a profit. So for me, that was like a huge result. And I think the backbone of that was what we did prior to COVID in terms of marketing, driving direct bookings and everything that we've got in terms of the process around that. But it's been tricky. It has been tricky. There's no getting away from that. It's been hard work. But, you know, if it was always easy, then, you know, it wouldn't be any fun. So I think a lot of people who thought they could just post on Airbnb and then the money just rolls in, and don't get me wrong, it did used to be like that. It, they they struggled, and if they didn't really know how to then market their brand or how to market their properties or go and find direct bookings, I think they were the ones either handling keys back to landlords or maybe flipping them into single lets if they were owning them. So a change of strategy there. But yeah, it was it was it was panic stations at one point. And, but I'm glad I've got a diverse portfolio, so I wasn't too worried. Um, but it's coming. It's been we had a great July and August, like fan, probably the best July and August we've ever had. And it's then gone through the, the seasonal trends. So we're in into a low phase right now. I'm predicting that we will have a very successful pre-Christmas week and post-Christmas week. I said this months ago because a lot of people would normally travel to see – like no matter what Boris Johnson says we kind can of can't do around Christmas, I think the majority of people are going to say, you know, I'm going to see my family, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know. But I think one thing that might happen if they have that mindset is, okay, well I'll go and see Granny, but I'm not gonna go and stay in a spare room like I used to. So I'll I'll rent a house you know for the week. And so I think that is gonna play out and this week alone those bookings have started to come in. So if you're clever about it, you should have your prices hiked high for those weeks and that could I, I've said that week alone will make our December. That'll be the profit in December so um, contractors will work up to the 21st and then after that will be it'll be the tick over I'm still not 100% sure what's going to happen between Boxing Day and the 1st of Jan whether New Year's Eve will happen whether people are going to throw house parties I'm I, I still unsure on that front but because obviously New Year's Eve is always a good time for us the 1st of January is not the best time for the cleaners but <laughs> New Year's Eve was always a good time so yeah, so but I do think, and I get asked a lot from my clients. You know, I'm taking this on now. Where, where we're going, you know, I heard people are going to get people are starting to get the vaccine next week at certain ages. So that's the start of hopefully this this whole thing ending for good. And next year, January is always shit. Like no matter what, it's crap. Yeah, yeah, you can get your direct bookings in and your contractors and what have you. But January just isn't a good month. Even with your contractors, they don't come back till sixth seventh tenth sometimes so you're kind of working on a two-week month but i think from february next year all the way through we're going to have a very good year for service accommodation
0: awesome stuff So working yeah working with the economics working from the experiences that you've had of course in the field for for many a year and advising your clients the same so and understanding the seasonal nature of you know what's going on but also having that focus as you say on on contractors is is proved crucial for you this year
1: yeah, 100%. And I think we actually, you know, when, when COVID did happen, we, we improved our and We launched some NHS campaigns and we were reactive to what was going on and we, we swept in. Some people wanted to isolate and all that sort of stuff, which was good, and we helped them out. We had a lot of people stuck. So we had a lot of people from, you know, China, India, Australia that, that were stuck and they couldn't get home. So week by week, they just kept having to rent at one point we had an Indian charity paying for this family to stay because obviously they ran out of money. Uh, and I, I was, I was making a loss on that property, but I'd felt like, you know, that's when you your sort of human element takes over rather than a business brain. And you're like, you know, this family, have, they've already spent up and, and they're stuck. They can't do anything. So we worked with this charity and it was a bit of money, but we were losing money on it. But that that was fine. You know, I'm, I was happy to, to to do my bit, as they say. And uh, I think you get repaid tenfold for doing things like that. I mean, you can't do it all the time, but, you know, in certain circumstances, I think that was um, that was the decision I made on that front. But, yeah, we had a lot of people stuck, but... Um, but yeah, hopefully it's the end. I'm, I'm I'm sick of hearing the word COVID. I'm sick of hearing. I went to Dubai last week, so I uh, went. To, I'm looking to set up over there. So I had it in mind from this about this time last year. I started the, the wheels in motion because I used to live there, and then obviously COVID hit as we were kind of making a bit of a bit of momentum, sort of early part of this year. So I put the brakes on it. So I went over there last last week to re and 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 get it going again so hopefully by the turn of the year and um, if not in, in January I'll have a few units over there and they're like fully open you know bars are open restaurants are open DJs playing till 3am don't get me wrong we've got the screens they've got the masks they've got all that all that sort of stuff but they're just they're doing it right you know people are uh, uh you know, just because to put some music on in a bar doesn't mean everyone's jumping on tables, hugging each other and, you know, and, and just breaking the rules like we are over here. You know, everyone's being respectful. It's table service. And I think everyone understands that if you want a night out, you've got to behave like that. And then everyone gets a night out. Whereas we just can't seem to control that over here. And, you know, it's it, it's disappointing, really, because, you know, the places are live out there and, and, and that's what, what we where we should be right now.
0: I always say, I think with people in, in, I'm just going to say Britain. I'm just going to generalise it. I'm not going to say England or, or pinpoint Scotland, Wales, or whoever. I think it's the thing about being British. We've always had this, um, yeah, forgive my language. We've always had this "fuck you" mentality over the years. Whether that's war with the French, you know, war with each other. Um, you know, we've had it once with the EU back in I think the 70s or 80s. And, and of course, you know, by the time this is out, you know, you know, Brexit would have either taken effect or was just about to take effect. So we've always had this sort of. I think, yeah, it's mentality of just, you know, putting the old two fingers up going, no, F off, we'll do what we want, we're we're Britain. And as you say, it looks like it's coming back to shoot us in, shoot us in the foot.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think, you know, we could have been a lot further ahead than we are now. But listen, we I think we've been through the pain, we've been through the worst and we're going to kick on. And I, I think 2021 is going to be a good year. I know we were talking before and you feel like it's going to go the other way. Um do you want to dig into that a bit? Why, why do you feel like there's going to be a big crash? I just, I just think from
0: I point out that from that it's going to come that comes down to strategy. So that's coming from a, a very bite to let perspective, looking at what's going on, looking at how much you know money's being printed by all these central banks. Um, you know the stamp duty changes that have taken effect, that have you know that pent up demand that was from the first lockdown. You know that's seen people go out and and buy, which is which is great. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of demand out there. I hear I hear Reed's stories, whether they're true or not, it's a different story. You know, bidding war for this, bidding war for that. So not always great for investors, but not impossible. I just think that once that stamp duty effect is taken away at the end of March, um, you know, there's no in my mind, I don't see any real reason how the stock market could be doing what the stock market's doing and how the housing market is is so buoyant when everything else is just gone like that. So when I say sort of economic doom and gloom, if I was going in buying, you know, buy to let's next year, buy mortgages, I, I'd be very I'd be very concerned on that when it comes around to refinance them in, you know, two years time or whatever, I just think that it might be a bit hmm. yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not just overly convinced that it's yeah. gonna be productive in a couple of years time. But that being said, if I was in SA, I'd probably be say thinking what you're thinking, well, you know, contractors still need to be working i know i know the traffic i know what's going on so my perspective might be different but yeah i just yeah looking around that that's what's sort of led me to that conclusion but mm-hmm. you know, as we know it doesn't stop the opportunities from being there's always opportunity there it's just looking for them and, and acting upon them so it is what it is
1: yeah we've we've picked a couple up this week um so i think there's a lot of more stuff coming back to reasonable prices and the uh, genuine BMV properties that need work are now not stood at, done at market value and they're starting to come back down, which is the stuff we've been buying. So signs are there. I think that the market's gone back to normal. My personal opinion is a bit different. I, I, think, I think the market will return to what it was pre-COVID, i.e. just a sensible market where houses that are worth done at value will get done at value slightly less and houses that need work doing to them will be, you know, 10, 15, 20 grand, whatever the price is, below market value. Every now and then you'll get a motivated seller, obviously, but that doesn't really, no matter what marketing, you're always going to get them. So I don't see a 20% crash or whatever, you know, everyone else keeps talking about. But at the same time, you know, I thought that we would see the what I'm talking about now at the end of October. We're now, you know, mid-December, and there's still no sign of it. There's signs of it easing slightly, but there's still stuff going for mental money, overpriced. And I think there's a combination of factors on this, and I've talked about this a lot this week on the various podcasts I've been on. But I think – and it's not one thing. So you've got your stamp duty break for your homeowners, which is huge. I've actually moved house in the last eight weeks, so I've benefited from that massively. That wasn't the decision for us to move house, but I know for a lot of people it was. Um, So a lot of people have moved out. You've got um, so you've got that. You've got a lot of bounce back loan money in the market right now, and you know people are are using that. You've got probably people who are now working from home and realize that that that, that's going to be a long term thing, and they need an office space. And now, once didn't have an office space, so that's changing. And then I think you've got your people who probably went through the first lockdown and realized that the house wasn't suitable for their family or their situation. Maybe it was a one bed and, you know, it wasn't big enough or, or whatever they wanted, the garden or whatever. And I, so I think a combination of all them is driving the activity at the minute where people are just basically saying, I'll buy a house no matter what, as long as it suits my needs, as opposed to looking at it for the price. Um, so that needs to, I think, wash through a bit. And once that has washed through, then I think the market will start to come back down to pre-COVID, sensible money, right prices. Because, you know, estate agents are saying to us all the time, like, oh, the houses are going for fortunes, 10 grand over to 15 grand over, da, da, da. And it's like, yeah, but the, the valuers aren't valuing up the stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had, we've had seven valuations in the last two months. And... um Six of them have come in on, on, on pretty much um, on what I need. I got one massively downvalued, but you know I didn't think that was that bad given what you, you know everyone's like, Oh, I'm getting loads of stuff downvalued, da da da. And I'm like, well, are you getting your stuff downvalued, or have you just got your comparable wrong in the first place? Mm, mm. You know, because there's a big difference there. Because I, I like to think, you know, touch wood, everything I've bought since the day I started buying has Nyon come in on the comparable figure that I thought it was on my sort of analyzer? So am I just analyzing the deal super well or, you know, am I just getting... Because I can't be getting lucky with the valuers. Like, that? that's not how it works, you know? So um, I, I do wonder if the people that are valuing, thinking, oh, I should be getting 175 for this and they're coming out and they get 150. It's like, well, have they just done their due diligence wrong in the first place? So. It's,
0: it's a good question yeah we've had we've had a couple recently and one that was you know exactly what we needed the other one a bit of a down valuation it got me asking the same question going through the research going going oh have I done that properly uh, you know has it you know what were the circumstances like because you know sometimes valuers can wake up on the wrong side of the bed we're all human after all so yeah seems, I, love, I, love, I love the way you put that I love the way you put that in, in, into the mind is in, in it is an important thing people need to do their due diligence and not always be quick to blame others.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that, especially in the property game, <laughs> especially in the coaching space as well. <laughs> you know, I think um, that there is a lot of, of the blame going on and, and, and looking for excuses rather than just, you know, taking responsibility for your own actions. And, you know, we've recently had a refurb. I probably spent 10 grand more than that, that I'd hoped to spend. I'll full on take full responsibility. That was my fault, you know. It wasn't all my fault. You know, I wasn't the one in the in the building doing the refurb, doing this, doing that. But, you know, there were certain decisions I made and certain decisions I allowed my team to make that ultimately led to, well, basically ripping the whole thing back out again and starting from scratch. So, you know, that was a disaster. But you've got to say, well, I can bitch and moan about that and blame everybody else and just take responsibility for it, sort it out, and then we just move on, you know, because... When you bitch and moan and, and you make excuses, you just waste so much energy on. Like people don't understand how negative thoughts really affect you. Like if people understood how bad negative thoughts affect you, they probably wouldn't think a negative thought.
0: It's true. It's true. The, the words we feed into our brain are, are crucial, and as well, I love how you're phrasing things. Now, wasn't it Tony Robbins that said about taking responsibility for your own actions wherever you are in life? You know, wherever you are in life, you've got there because of the decisions that you've made. You Can't just always mm. look out to other people and go, "Well, that happened, that happened, that happened. This has happened." You know, woe is me? It's just accept it, take responsibility, mm. and and move forward.
1: Yeah, I read a really good book recently on. I can't remember. Was it a book or an article? Anyway, it was about these. It was about this this business owner. There was two business partners, and they made the the company was worth millions, or so they thought, and. Basically, one day, the one business partner came and said, We're going to go bankrupt. And he was like, What do you mean we're going bankrupt? We've got like millions. And he said, Yeah, I've, I've, I've basically gambled all the money away. And he, he was like, Had a huge gambling problem. And, and the, most people would have gone mental, done absolutely everything they could, and blamed the gambler and this, that, and the other. And the other guy who never gambled a penny in his life, just took full responsibility for it and then built another business up by himself to millions within three years. Like it was worth 10 million within three years. You know, most people would have took the pity, you know, and just probably drank themselves to death and, you know, and just like gone the other way. This guy just went, okay, fair enough, full responsibility. I probably didn't have my eye on the ball enough with the account. I didn't have, you know, my eye on the ball enough with my business partner, whatever it might be, you know, You've done the you've done the deed, but ultimately it's my responsibility. No worries, let's pass, Da 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 da. And then he he knew he could build a better business, and he, and he, and he went that way and built a, a ten million pound business within three years. And for me, that's just like that's probably how the one percent think, mm. and, and the ninety nine percent think the other way. The ninety nine percent would have been furious, trying all sorts of courts to try and get money back, and wasting so much energy on this rather than just saying, right, scratch, let's go again
0: yeah that's I mean it's it's one of those things it sounds very tough to do in principle because obviously we know we're not in that person's shoes but the the lesson there is you have to take the responsibility regardless and if you accept that then as you say that guy's you know made a multi-million pound business you know back up within three years because he's obviously done it before they're doing it again not an issue so and I love I love that story that's pretty cool
1: no yeah I, I, I thought it was a book or whatever but um I'm actually reading a very good book at the minute called Straight Line. And um, I've read it before, but I thought I'd read it again. And it's about basically there's two types of people and that you've got straight line people and circle people. So straight line people go from A to B and they just get rid of anything that's not productive in their life. And they just, just go from A to B and they get results. Circle people are always looking for the quickest fix and the next best thing, but they never find it. So they continue to go round and round and round looking for this next quick fix and they go around and, around and it also goes into like, no matter what your position is or what your uh, mindset is or what your um, you know, DNA is or whatever, you have the ability right now to say, I'm going to be something else. A lot of people will say, oh, I can't do that because I was brought up that way or I can't do that because my genetics don't make me do that or whatever which is total bullshit. Like you can decide today how you want your inner stance to be, and then you can commit and, and move forward with that inner stance. And it's so powerful, the book. It really like gets you thinking about not only the actions and the time that you're wasting, um, but on like tasks that don't mean anything, and are not, not going to get your business further forward, but actually like how you show up as a person each day and how you talk to yourself in terms of like, you know, am I making excuses and blaming my DNA, blaming my upbringing? You know, it's not. You know, mom and dad didn't have any money. I didn't go to this school. I didn't go to that school. So I can't achieve XYZ. Or are you just saying, you know, fuck this? I'm going to be the best person I can be right now, and I'm going to go from A to B as quick as I can. It doesn't matter where I was brought up or whatever. And it, I just read a couple of chapters a day, and it just kind of like just triggers your brain's grid.
0: I've been, I made a note of that as I was looking away from the camera straight line. So yeah, I'm gonna gonna be checking out on the. Yeah, it's
1: not an audible book I like audibles now but uh, it's yeah. not it's a, it's a good old uh, I, yeah, I read it while I'm in the gym now so I just <laughs> when I'm waiting for me uh, me reps and stuff I just have a few pages and just, just read it so maximising time
0: yeah audibles the way forward love us I, I love know as well any of that is just yeah when you're driving when you're in the bath whatever it is whatever it is you want to do you just get a podcast on get an audible book on and it's yeah. it's happy days yeah. I love what you talk about mentality there because, um, you know, I found, sort of, uh, I found out, well, I've got like proper tested sounds dodgy, doesn't it? At the start of the year, and, um, you know, I'm autistic, which I always thought that, that was the case, but, you know, certain things in the last 18 months uh, I had to push myself to go and get that done and get that confirmed. And I've people ask me kind of what you've just sort of covered off in straight line. And people say, well, if you're wired to work in that way, Does that, you know, does that create any challenges for you? And I always say it does, but it's about now it's having a bit more direction and going, right, well, that explains why I'm so good at doing X, Y, and Z. Therefore, Mm. if I know I'm good at doing that, then I've got to just go and focus on doing that. And if I'm not good at A, B, and C, it's either, well, number one, I ain't going to do it. Or number two, get someone in to do, you know, it's like, I'm horrific on social media. I am incredibly poor any form of marketing, social media, that sort of stuff. So just get people in to give you a hand doing it. So probably Amazing enough, this is being recorded and probably end up on YouTube anyway. So that's me pushing my boundary, but everyone's boundaries are different. But yeah, that's why I think Straight Line, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes when I'll get it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great book. Um, as I said, I read it a while ago, but um, it, flashed, it probably just flashed up or something and I started reading it again. And, and it just, there's so many little, just takeaways from it that you can just implement straight away. and Because um, a lot for me, when I work with clients, a lot of people, if you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and overworked, it's because you're not doing the right tasks. Because really, if, you're, if you do the right tasks, the right focused tasks, you should have so much time on your hands. Because a lot of the tasks that most people do don't actually move the needle forward, you know. So, you could write down your tasks, and I, I do get my clients to this write down your tasks and daily bits, right? Just choose the 20% that actually make a difference. Choose the, or just choose the tasks that make a difference. And they'll like, say, if they have 20 tasks on there, there'll be about four that come up. I'm like, right, right, just get rid of the other tasks, you don't need to do them, they're not going to make a difference to your business, you know. So, and, and it's all about knowing what those tasks are each week to move your business forward every week. And as long as you just tick those tasks off your business and move forward, but people like to be busy because they feel that that means they're going to get, get somewhere. And really all that creates is this like overwhelm and busyness as I call it. And it doesn't actually achieve anything, but they feel like they should be achieving something. And I, I used to do this and then you know, I'd be like, right, I need to put on my diary, I need to do this, and I need to tweak my website, and I need to add a little banner there, or, you know, I need to make a phone call. And and, and you're, like, building this list of stuff out that actually doesn't do much, apart from make you feel good about yourself, until mm. really you realize, like, Jesus Christ, I'm working my ass off it, and I'm actually getting nowhere. And then you focus on, right, what are the tasks that move your business forward each week, and just just nail them. You know, just nail them. And they can be done in like most times, two or three hours a week. And then there's it's a, nailed your business move forward.
0: There's a lot of fear factor though. There's, there's a lot of fear factor there, isn't there? Because I, I know that I get in my way too much. I know it and I know that, you know, relinquishing control of certain things for me is a massive mind fuck. To be able to do that, you know, is, is a massive mind fuck. But I know that if I don't relinquish control, then there's going to be no progress. So it has to be, right, I'm going to get that person to do that, get that person to do that, slowly but surely, so then they effectively end up doing everything you don't like doing. And yeah. I think, I mean, from the people that you've trained and clients that you work with, do you is it fair for me to say that it's that fear factor that stops a lot of people and just that way of thinking?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two stages. So the, 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 the clients I take on in the novice phase, it's Fear of losing money because they're not really clued up enough to know they've done the right due diligence to get into the right deal. Most of them are obviously attacking the rent-to-rent strategy as their entry. So you know they want to make sure the rent's going to get covered in the bills and they're going to have the right areas and stuff. So that lack of knowledge kind of creates the fear of losing money and then it ultimately stops them ever moving forward. For the um, the clients I work with on a twelve month basis, they've got portfolios already, and it's about like how do we scale a business. Now, I've I've also been here, so uh, this is like totally from my experience. I was the same, like I'm. No one can do better than me. Um, I don't need any help. I'm too proud to ask. You know that that's kind of the mentality of most entrepreneur. But when you hit bursting point, which I did. Um, I realized if I don't get help, I can never achieve my goals. And also if I don't get help, I'm going to end up hating what I've created because all I was doing was working like a dog 16 hours a day, you know, and it wasn't enjoyable. So I uh, what was it? I had a mentor and I also read a good book, forget the name of it now. And it's all about um, protecting the key role in the business and then everybody else does everything else. So... um. That was like a light bulb going off in my head, and I really and I started to realize um, that you need to um, think of staff as an investment, not as an expense. The minute you start thinking of a staff as an in- investment, then that allows your company to grow, and it's just an ROI on their time. So, you know, whilst we're sat here now recording this, I've got, you know – marketing, publishing stuff on my social media. I've got deal sources, outsourcing deals, which work internally for the business. I've got external deal sources as well, looking for deals for us as well. You know, I've got sales guys, um, you know, working in in the coaching business. I've got, you know, a bookkeeper in the book. So, you know, so I, but I used to have to do all that myself. Now there's only so many hours one person's got in a day. So you will always stay small if you have that mindset that you're going to do everything yourself. The minute you start realizing that people are actually investments and they can make your business go further, that was the game changer for me. And that that scalability, like I'm, I'm I'm, recruiting more people at the minute. So, you know, we need more operational staff. I need, I want more, I want a cold caller for the rent-to-rent side of things. You know, I want some, some more sales guys. So, you know, we're, we're scaling all the time. And because I know that a good A-team player will actually be a good ROI for the business, so it's worth investing in.
0: And again, the key point there is is that mindset is yeah. treat stuff and its investment not a cost, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, the whole game's mindset, I think. Yeah, you need a bit of knowledge, but you know when when clients come to me and they're like. Nearly every single one of them is. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the knowledge. It's like I understand that, but there are so many people out there that have been through every single course that you can possibly buy. They've watched every YouTube video you can possibly get hold of, yet they still haven't moved forward. So, if knowledge was the answer, why aren't they millionaires now?
0: Mm.
1: It's because knowledge isn't the answer. It's about execution. You know, and nine times out of ten, it's the mindset that is the difference between the knowledge and the execution. And that gap, it's the mindset that you either do it or you don't do it, and you either take the risk or you don't take the risk. So, um, but yeah, it, 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 it mindset plays a very, very big part in, in a lot of it.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's a can do actually, isn't it? It's it's having that self belief, you know, knowing. But you just go out and do it. You're going to make mistakes anyway. It's, it's life, you know, and no one's gone through and done it 100% perfect. You know, we're, again, we're human at the end of the day. So it's that. And then also, yeah, not having a fear of, of making mistakes. You know, what is what is the worst that can happen? Um, was it a Dale Carnegie book? Is it how to win friends and influence people? There's another one. I can't, again, I can't think of the name, but I know it's Dale Carnegie. rattling
1: the books off today, aren't we? Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> gonna they're, like like,
1: dri- they're either going to be driving, going, oh, I'm never going to remember all these books, or they better be writing them all down because they are they're golden. Like, I don't know you, know. you hear it all the time, like, oh, the average millionaire reads like 60 odd books a year or whatever it is. It is so true. Like I still, you know, to this day, read a lot of books. I actually listen to a lot now. I don't actually like reading. Um, if you really hate reading but you want books, I will see up called again.
0: Audible.
1: It basically gives you a snapshot of the book, so it basically pulls out like the the core elements of the book in like twelve blinks, so you can like listen to a whole book in fifteen minutes. And, you know, it's just that, like stuff like that is gold mine. You just go go through it, just listening to book off the book and getting all these, like, just just brain dumps all the time. And and you just implement some of it, but you've got to be able to implement the action, you know, implement the knowledge, sorry.
0: Yeah, as you end up being a course junkie, which, again, you see, uh, I think we've all seen, you know, in in our time, I've done, you know, I must admit I was a little bit the same when I started, because for me it was about... It's again it's that mindset, it's, you know, am I confident enough to do this or I'm gonna make a mistake? What if that goes wrong? And then but what after you've done it once, you're like, Okay, cool, that was fine. Well, let's do it again, and then again and again and again. Um yeah, it's as he says we can have knowledge all day long, but you gotta execute it in, in one way or another. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So what's um what's on the cards for you, 2021?
0: Twenty twenty-one. Each well, first of all, wrapping up. The uh, so deals you've got going over the line, so a few blocks of flats, a couple of single lets. You want to get them wrapped up um, really before, i by the end of February. Um, and then from there, from there it's going to be one of two things. Um, it's keeping the network going, you know, keeping an eye out for deals as and when. So, you know, you've always got to have your eye on the board. There's always opportunity, as you said before. Uh, for me, I'm fully qualified to do EPCs. So if I ever, you know, want to get out and about, be a bit nosy, chat to people about their property or you know do energy performance certificates i can do that uh, yeah you know i love being able to do that because for me it's about the knowledge um but then also you never know who you're going to meet you know someone might be getting an EPC because they're thinking about renting it then you might end up with well actually i've got a portfolio of this stuff you might end up with a lease option deal i'm just i'm taking it on a women that opportunity um so that's that's what i do and then what aaron does in the background is he's got various diplomas in sort of risk management assessment so he is able to analyze various you know, different deals from developers etc he's got a client base so he's basically puts the two together in the background and you know i understand that takes quite a bit of work but he's got the sort of due diligence qualifications to do that so um yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much us for 2021 i would have thought continuing to grow the podcast uh Sure, so we'll find new topics to talk about. Continuing to, you know, basically do what we do what we're doing now, and let's say put put more faith in in other people, and you know, let go. We both need to let go of certain elements. We have just got to you know relax and go, boom, yeah, and, and move forward. So That's probably us. And apart from Dubai, which you mentioned, how about yourself?
1: Um, just m- much of a us just really. Just continue to. The ultimate goal is always to acquire as many properties as you can for you for yourself you know your net wealth and 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 because you control them you decide when you decide to sell them or not sell them or whatever how you run them and there's there's no restrictions so for me it's always as many of them as i can get um through the course of the year but i do like rent to rent i think it's a great strategy for cash flow especially done done right so we've got great connections now with portfolio landlords we get more referrals every week you know we're constantly taking on the rent to rent deals so pushing that i doing lot we're also um our sa management side of the business has really taken off in the last probably 18 months so people are reaching out to us all the time to manage their their sa stuff and that that's great for us because it's just it just plugs into the, the model that we've got that we run our own on so i predict that, that that's that's going to you know push hard on that next year as well and um yeah i I just i keep toying with the idea of you know converting a pub into five flats and then running it as an SA or something like that but i just like the quick single that's you know i can like 10 weeks now 10 weeks is the quickest i've done it from keys to money back in my bank account you know and then I, i can get them you know all we're doing is bathrooms kitchens carpets decoration so the 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 build works like two weeks max so by the time i've got the keys three weeks later i've got a tenant in and you know not long after that i've got the money back in my bank account so i can then go again and so i i just get sucked into that time and time again (laughs) let's just do another like load of them rather than trying to like do a conversion that's going to take whatever six to 12 months and you know tie up loads of cash and so but I'd, I'd, I'd like to think at some point next year I, I stumble across the right conversion opportunity and we'll have a go at that because you know you're talking about the blocks you've got there I find the blocks of stuff at the minute are working really well for service accommodation so the blocks that we've got um, they, they work incredibly well for service accommodation uh, contractors, groups staying but wanting their own sort of room or, or, or flat and um you know, wherever we've done the block stuff, that that seems to work really well. So that's kind of the only reason I wanna get a block that I own myself. They're all manage those ones. So I wanna I wanna get a block that we own myself, but it's um Yeah, I just kind of get sucked back in the the dead easy single, let's no hassle, not much of a project. You don't need project managers. It's just, you know, just very, very simple stuff and they rent really quickly. Uh, And obviously the ROI up here is is, is great for the rentals.
0: I I can imagine saying you're based up in the northeast, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Northeast, yeah, yeah. So in Newcastle, but we invest kind of all around the northeast.
0: Right, so it it truly is a wonderful area. If anyone's listening and they've not been out there, it is a truly wonderful area. It absolutely is. I think you've got, you know, yeah, you've got everything you need up there. Newcastle, Scotland, yeah. you know, loads of wonderful places to see. Lindisfarne, you know, all of that stuff. Just quickly, um, so it's possible our demographics of podcasts are different. Um, for somebody that's just heard you say ten weeks from getting the property to cash back in the bank, some people might be sort of listening, thinking, "Well, don't you have to wait six months?" and Etc., etc. Could you just explain that process of how you're able to do it so quick, just so to prove to people that it can be done?
1: Yeah, sure. So, there are the mortgage rule is only really if you're taking a mortgage out in the first place. So, if you go mortgage to mortgage, which technically you shouldn't do, you know, a mortgage product is a long term finance product, not a short term finance product. But I know a lot of people do do it. I just think it's an incredibly slow way to do it. So, if you cash the purchase or so you bridge the purchase at the beginning, then you have the um, ability to refinance before the six month rule with several land- lenders out there at the minute. So they um, th- they allow it to happen. So we take advantage of it, and, um, and you know we-, we get the money back out, and, and we're buying again before. So I think mortgage to mortgage, you're looking at it. Because remember, you can't apply until the six-month point. Mm. So by the time you're like three months down the line with money in the bank, you're talking nine months at best. In that in that same period, I could have probably bought three houses mm. for the same that you're doing the one. You know, So I've got three lots of cash flow rather than one. I've got three lots of equity gain rather than one. So, and this is where I always have the argument that I don't think bridging loans are expensive because the opportunity cost of not getting those extra two units in the same time frame is a lot more than the higher bridge and loan fees and i think too many people scrutinize aprs and bridge and loan exit fees and of fees and and everything else for me it's about speed and i think if you focus on speed you add more cash into your business a lot quicker which ultimately leads to uh, more equity as well it leads to more properties bought over the long term and and then if you actually drilled it down to the numbers your bridging finance wouldn't actually be that
0: expensive. Do you think with your experience of, of bridging, because uh, the other thing I do sort of hear from various people is, you know, bridging sort of painted to be the sort of relatively quick, relatively easy finance. And then when people start applying for it, it's always, you know, question after question after question after delay after delay after delay. Do you think that's a fair thing to say, or people haven't found the right broker, haven't found the right bridging product? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think in, in my experience, no. Like, I can submit an application today. I'll have pretty much an approval tomorrow, and then it's just a case of the solicitors working with their solicitors and drawing the funds down. So, you know, within within a couple of weeks, I can have the money on that. So, again, I think it comes down to. You know, probably your business set up, who who you're applying through. And um, I tend to do bridging direct. I don't really get my broker involved because I've got a good relationship with the bridging company. So I just send the rep an application and and he just bangs it through. So there's no real need for a broker to get involved in that. But it's, um, yeah, in my experience, I've I've had no no dramas really with bridging. Um, I think it's a great product when used well. I know some of the lenders used to do a bridge to loan product which was great because they would give you the end valuation on the bridge and valuation. So they'd be like, okay, well it's worth this now. Yeah. And if you do the work you say, you're going to work, we will then put it on our loan product once it's finished. So you were like, you knew you were going to get the uplifted value. So you are like, all right, great. My money's not going to get stuck. But the downside of that is I think they on purpose, maybe take their time a bit to get you off the bridge and loan, <laughs> but at the same time, if you're a bit unsure of an uplift value, it's a good way to sort of give you that confidence that you're going to get it right and you're not going to get your money stuck. So it has its it has its positives and its and its negatives. Um, but you know, like we spoke about earlier in the program, I think when you are confident and you've done it time and time and time again, and the numbers keep hitting the mark time and time again, then you've you've got your research nailed and 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 there you're within the ballpark figure nearly all the time, then you don't really need that that product to then give you the confidence because you've already kind of got the confidence that you know it's gonna
0: work. Yeah, it's it's a case of doing it once, seeing how it goes, and then ridge and repeat. Mm. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah.
1: Awesome, the game's awesome very job. simple and very boring. You know, it is it is literally just rinse and repeat, whether it's rent to rent, whether it's purchasing, whether it's running them as essays, whatever. It is just rinse and repeat, you know. Getting good processes in place, just get another one, do the same again, get another one, do the same again. And, you know, over time, before you know it, you've got a hell of a portfolio and, and plenty of cash coming in.
0: So, true, very, very true. What keeps you going? What What's the end game for yourself? What keeps you going?
1: Um... I want to retire in three years. So I'm 36 in a bit. And so 40 is my, well, when I say retire, like I'm never going to sell up because I'm just going to hand the portfolio to the boys. I just want to be at a point where I can, I mean, I pretty much don't work. See, now I don't work in the business. I work on the business all the time. So I'm always doing the things that I want to do building systems out you know making our communication platforms better you know making sure that our onboarding processes for a property are better you know and making sure that you know our kpis are on point so you know everyone knows what they're doing and, and building a good team and you know that kind of leadership sort of role and i really enjoy doing that whereas i hate dealing with guests dealing with tenants um visiting sites you know i just can't be bothered with that i just i just hate it it is part of the process and you've got to do it in the beginning to to figure it out but then when you scale up obviously you want to remove yourself from that situation but then make sure you're still getting the result so i just focus on now on i really enjoy like i've always enjoyed marketing so i work a lot with my marketing team um you know how can we generate leads i love Like generating a lead probably gives me more of a buzz than buying a house <laughs> i uh, like seeing that you've written an advert created a video or whatever it is. And then that you post it somewhere, you pay, put some money behind it, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you get a lead and then you turn that lead into something. I think that's, there's power in that and, you know, and, and that drives. So, so yeah, just no real plans really. Um want to scale to a thousand properties is my target. That is my target. It's a massive target, but that is my target by the time I'm 40. So, I don't know what really drives me to do it. I just I, I've just, I just just want to do it. I think when I set myself a target, I want to get to my target, and you know and that's that's what I'm pushing for at the minute.
0: Awesome stuff! I love that. I love that. Cause
1: what's, your, what's your what keeps you going?
0: Yeah, for me, for me, it's the travel, which is a bit of a odd thing to say right at this current point in time. But I want to visit every country in the world by the time I'm fifty. I'm thirty-two at the time of recording, so I've got plenty of time, plenty of time to go. To get there, but you know, you know, in order to do that, you need to, you know, have the, you know, have the cash flow coming in. So it's, you know, building up that portfolio. Ultimately, it will get handed down at some point. Um, and very, very similar. We've known each other fifteen years. So for him, it's like, well, let's you know build it as big as we can. Let's aim for you know X amount per month. Then you know, add the team in. Most of it will be managed anyway, if not all of it managed. Yeah. And uh, then that's it. Get out and about. Go to the big sporting events that we like doing. Go, go you know, to the, these random places in the world. And yeah, again, it's you know slow, steady, consistent, and yeah, yeah. it's the travel and the, these big events to keep us going. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, the great thing about probably is you can run it from your mobile phone now. Yeah, yeah. if you've got good systems and people in place, you can run your business from your mobile phone. Um, the only thing I haven't managed to figure out is sign signing docs. With solicitors (laughs) for purchases (laughs) abroad, (laughs) or you know, from a distance, they always want the originals. You know, the personal guarantees. Some people are accepting Zoom at the minute, but whether that continues post COVID, I don't know. So, um, you know, the witnessing of the signatures, but it's all just a bit backward that that process. That's probably the only thing that would keep you tied into the UK, I think. But if not, you'd be on a beach running your business from somewhere. So, but
0: yeah spot on you laugh about that um i had to do that the other day uh with with the solicitor for some ila and it was a case of you know on the tablet you know signing it off and you know saying well you know yeah the banks you know proverbially agree this fine but he's like well then what if it goes wrong you know then they're always happy to help you until it goes tits up then they're not happy to help you so i completely agree with you i think that that is probably the only element i could think of you know solicitors mortgage lenders that are gonna they always like that wet signature don't they now i think that's probably the one thing that might hold us back but where there's a will there's a way
1: yeah sure yeah you just might need to take a 24-hour visit back to the uk to sign <laughs> your docs and then go home <laughs> or go wherever you are in the world but uh seems a bit extreme but anyway listen absolute pleasure um i think we've hopefully given the listeners enough to entertain them with and give them some uh some value plenty of books to go and read that's for sure um, yeah, i've made a note I'll, of them so we'll
0: put them in the show notes
1: yeah cool i always like to connect people on my show so how can people find you
0: yeah uh, likewise here but uh the best place to find us are uh, the property nomads podcast are on you know itunes stitcher spotify that sort of stuff I've also been lucky enough to write a couple of books um i've gonna search my name rob smallbone uh, buy to let house get started and 101 top property tips you can find them on amazon and uh, it, if you ever need to contact me personally, I always say email roberttpmpodcast.com. If not, just check out the Property Nomads podcast on the, on the various socials um, as well. And then, of course, we like to do the same, Ryan. So how do people find yeah, yourself? Um,
1: just Seven Figure Property Empire Facebook group. Head over, stick a request in, we'll get you inside. And um, yeah, and then I'm in there all the time. So if anyone wants to then take it further, they can um, DM me or whatever. But uh, yeah, we we hang out there a lot and we do a lot of stuff in there. So
0: awesome stuff, great episode, loads of content and uh, hopefully I'll catch up maybe in Dubai at some point.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a plan.